In case my face gets super red, as it probably is, I did not get bit by a spider. Uh, I just have strange allergies. So someone else asked that earlier, so don't panic. Unless I fall down, you don't need to call anyone or do anything. Um, I want to read something to you guys, and then we'll, we'll dive in. This is actually from Psalm 88. I was just going to read it to you, but if you want to follow along, it won't, uh, it won't be up there. Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out before you day and night. May my prayer reach your presence. Listen to my cry. For I have had enough troubles, and my life is near Sheol. I am counted among those going down to the pit. I am like a man without strength, abandoned among the dead. I am like the slain lying in the grave whom you no longer remember and who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest part of the pit, in the darkest places in the depths. Your wrath weighs heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have distanced me from friends, my friends from me. You have made me repulsive to them. I am shut in and cannot go out. My eyes are worn out from crying. Lord, I cry out to you all day long. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do departed spirits rise up to praise you? Will your faithful love be declared in the grave, your faithfulness in Abaddon? Will your wonders be known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of oblivion? But I call to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer meets you. Lord, why do you reject me? Why do you hide your face from me? From my youth, I have been afflicted and near death. I suffer your horrors. I am desperate. Your wrath sweeps over me. Your terrors destroy me. They surround me like water all day long. and They close in on me from every side. You have distanced loved one and neighbor from me. Darkness is my only friend. I've read this before. How many in this room, maybe it's today, but how many of you felt this way? Right? Oh, you raised your hands. Brave people, yeah. Right? How many of you felt like that you've called out to God for so long about something, right? I don't know, whatever your thing is. Called out to God for so long that he would come, that he would fix this situation, that he would heal this marriage, that he would bring life, heal your heart, tear down that mountain, slay that giant, whatever it is that seems so massive in your life. Take this addiction. Take this shame. Take this illness. You prayed and you cried and you trusted and you waited and you waited and you waited and you're still waiting, maybe, some of you. Where is God? Where is God in the moments of waiting? We have a tendency to make excuses for him. I hate that. I used to be a, I used to be, I am a guy. You know, when, when someone goes through something really hard, it's one thing to tell them, hey, you know, God's in control. Sometimes that makes it feel worse. Because when someone's in the moments of waiting and in the moments of hurting and they're in the moments of all that, right, they're, they're, they know God's in control. That's why they're going to him and yet he seems to not answer. So telling him that he's there and just leaving it at that can make it seem like so then he just doesn't care. Where is he in the moments of waiting? Why doesn't he seem to come through for everyone? I know you've thought that. You know, sometimes we don't want to go to those places in our faith because they aren't fun. You know, I don't like to take people's stories that I don't know, um, but I just heard a little bit of one this week. But someone, uh, a young girl passed away, pretty famous story, I guess, around this area. She passed away, you know, 10 or 11 years old, brain tumor, I believe, I don't, I don't know, and passed away. 
you know, billboards across the U.S., people praying for, God, come through, move, heal. And she died. And sometimes we want to ignore those moments, right? Because it's better to pretend they didn't happen than have to deal with them. I get it. Me too. Why do some people, you know, for me personally, and I'll share this, uh, it was weird timing. I actually found this out after. There's a famous uh, person, actually not a famous person. I don't know why I said that. Though famous people this happens to. There's a guy that I know of, another not a good guy, not a good guy. Needed a transplant, okay? Kind of manipulated, got his transplant, living, going right back to living a life where he's doing the things that led to needing the transplant, right? And then you find the people that do everything right, and they don't get to live, and they don't get to keep going on. And that's just, for me, that's a problem, and I get it. I know the answer. I know the Christian answer. Right? And it doesn't make it not true. But I want to talk today in case you're one of those people that are in one of the moments of waiting. Because if you're not, you're going to be. You're going to be again. And it's crazy, right? Sometimes God moves in those moments of waiting in five minutes. Those are cool moments, aren't they? Those are moments when you're like, hey, I prayed. My car is starting. It started, right? Some crazy moment. And we brag about those. And then sometimes it takes 20 years, 30 years. I told a story. It's, it changed my life. A person I know very, very well, um, someone she works with, I've told this story, and I'll tell it probably forever, but uh, she was in ministry. Her husband was an elder at her church. At church, he said all the right things. When they got home, he, was ne- she, he said, shut up. Don't talk about God. Don't pray. I don't want to hear it. Imagine how, how that would be. Right? To live in those two worlds. 20 years she prayed. 20 years. You know, they're in their 60s. Now he knows Christ. Finally came to know the Lord. And now they're serving in ministry together. Right? Talking about marriage. But do you think in those 20 years, if you'd have said, hey, maybe she would have. But a lot of people, they're not going to wait 20 years, are they? We read the, read the, Bible, the books and the, the, the stories in the Bible, excuse me, you know, 40 years in the desert. <laughs> That's not too long. Man, I can't wait five minutes sometimes. Right? Sometimes God moves fast and sometimes God moves slow and sometimes it looks like he doesn't move at all. And I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you just pretend that's not as real. Let's just pretend that God doesn't do that. Well, here's the problem. When you pretend long enough, you eventually come to your own moment of waiting. And then you're rocked. Why doesn't God seem to come through? How long should I wait? How long should you wait? 40 years? Are you willing to? Is God still good if he takes 40 years? It's easy for me to tell you yes. It's easy for us to go, those silly Israelites. It was only 40 years. Kidding me? In a desert? We've been talking lately, this series. (laughs) It's called uh, Sincerely God. He forgot it. I do too sometimes. Um. But it's, you know, we're, we're talking about what God says to us in his word. What does he say? What do we see from him? Not just what I tell you, not these cool things. What does he say? What, what do we know about him? What does he say about his relationship with us? How he sees us? And today I want to talk about in the waiting. I want to talk about those moments that were in the waiting. I know for a fact some of you are in those moments. Some of you are having really serious marriage problems, and you think nobody knows it, right? 
God knows it. And so if you pretend long enough and you act like it's not a big deal, then hey, you know, it'll go away. Right? Some of you are dealing with health issues. And you've dealt with it for so long that you feel guilty even talking about it, right? Because everybody else has kind of moved on, right? You're still there. You ever notice that? Like you're allowed to have your moment and then it's like, okay, we know you got a disease. Big deal. Move on, right? You've got to live in that. Addictions. I got, I got something to tell you guys. Did you know that there are Christians saved, sanctified? You ain't going to like this. Sanctified Christians that are addicted to things, to sinful things. How is that possible? I don't know, but it is. Sometimes it's a pre-addiction, right? You have it. Sometimes God comes up and heals the blind person in a second. Sometimes he spits and puts mud on their face three or four times. And like he does it different ways. But here's what we all really want to know. Because I do think if we know that he's going to answer, then it makes the waiting more bearable. You know what I mean? It makes the bearing, the waiting more bearable. I want to read a story. It's actually one of my favorite. It was my first. You guys are ready? This is crazy. It was terrible. My first sermon written in seminary was over this section. I had no idea what I was talking about. I just want you to know. I actually found the notes to it. It's actually terrible. That's not this one, Corey. Don't worry. Don't make any snide comments, okay, later, and say, oh, I wish it was that one. Anyway, we're going to my favorite guy, Jesus. This is a little mini sermon within a sermon. I, 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 uh, I had said this today that, you know, for me, I don't know about you guys, the Bible's all inspired, word of God, but there's something about Jesus. I'm serious. There's something about those gospels, and if you're feeling like your faith is dry, if you're feeling like, man, oh, I get it, Todd, worship, go to church, blah, 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 go read the Gospels. I'm serious. Anyway, Jesus, um, we come to a part here, and we're going to be in Luke 8, starting at verse 40. Pretty famous section, but right before this, they jumped, jumped it. Right before this, uh, Jesus actually heals a demon-possessed guy. So we have this crazy situation with the guy who's demon-possessed. You'd probably like to hear that. Everybody wants to talk about the demon-possessed stuff. But it's after that, okay? And this is where we're going to pick up the story. When Jesus returned, all expecting him. Hey, he did something awesome. This is a lesson here, by the way. When he's doing the healing and giving out bread, everybody loves him. When he tells you you're a sinner and change your ways, we start killing him. Just how it works. That's going to happen in your life, too. Maybe not killing you, but they won't like you. Just then, a man named Jairus came. He was a leader of the synagogue. Stop. Substitute your own word. He was a pastor. He was a religious guy. He was a good person. Okay? He fell down at Jesus' feet and pleaded with him to come to his house because he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, and she was at death's door. She was dying. While he was going, the crowds were nearly crushing him. A woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years who had spent all she had on doctors yet could not be healed by any approached from behind and touched the tassel of his robe. Instantly, her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. I always think like at that moment would be horrifying. She's like, I'm just going to get through the crowd. He didn't even know. I'm good. I got what I needed. Stop. Who touched me? That's how we view it, right? <laughs> when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds are hemming you in and pressing against you. Stinking Peter. He's always like... <laughs> Jesus, it's probably one of these people, man. Come on. Do I have to teach you everything? There's a lot of people around here. Someone did touch me, said Jesus. I picture him looking at Peter going, someone touched me, Peter, okay? I just healed a demon possessed. I think I know. Anyway, I know that power has gone out from me. 
When the woman saw that she she was discovered, she came trembling and fell down before him. In the presence of all the people, she declared the reason she had touched him and how she was instantly cured. Daughter, oh man, Jesus. I'll tell you in a minute why this is beautiful, even more. He said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Man. So, it's good to know a little Jewish Jewish law stuff, okay? She's bleeding. When a woman's bleeding, by the way, I don't mean to be vulgar here, but when this says this without any things, it's a womanly type bleeding, okay? We'll leave it at that. In the Old Testament law, when a woman was there, she was considered unclean when she was bleeding, so she couldn't be messed with, touched, right? She has to stay away. This woman had been that way for 12 years. Now, at this time, most of the time, if someone has a long-suffering issue like this or a pre-existing issue, it was related. They said it was sin, either your sin. In this case, she was a woman. So clearly she sinned and God is punishing her. Even if it's a baby, well, the mother or father sinned and it's getting coming through the baby. So it's your fault. I'm not going to touch you. Don't come near me. If I know you're unclean, you're going to make me unclean. She was a pariah, outcast. I would imagine it's been a long time since someone called her daughter, since someone gave her a term of endearment. And the first words out of his mouth after finding out was saying, daughter, hey, why do you think he did that? She was scared, right? That's a whole sermon in itself. But, so this woman who is an outcast, Jesus comes back, and at this time he tries to keep things under wraps when he's doing this stuff. Well, word gets out, this guy's healing, he's casting out demons, there's something special about this guy. So an important guy comes up to them. By the way, the crowds would split for this guy. This guy matters. He comes up, falls before his knees, synagogue leader. That's a big deal. Please come help my daughter. She's dying. Pause. You got kids, some of you that do? Your kid is dying. Jesus is there. Death's door. What's that mean? If someone's on death's door, are they pretty stable? No. It could happen any moment, right? This is any, any time here. We're done. So he immediately goes. On the way, this woman knows he's here. She fights through the crowds. Not our point today, but could be something else. She didn't let that two. This is this is what I did during my first sermon, right? The comparison between Jairus and this woman. You can't get any farther apart. Religious leader, leader of the synagogue, untouchable woman can't even probably worship in the synagogue. You see what I mean? Jesus uh, deals with interferes, deals with both in the same moment. They start crushing him. A woman who touched me. Jesus, did Jesus know who touched him? Yeah, he knew. Anytime God asks those kinds of questions, it's not for him. Because remember, we can assume she probably wasn't talked to. She was ignored. How beautiful that he stopped and recognized her and said, Who are you? Right? I see you. You matter. Come here. Who are you? Your faith has made you well. Right? Instantly. Right? That's pretty cool. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. She didn't beg. She didn't have to make a deal with Jesus and say, hey, I'll never mess up again. I'll never do anything wrong again. Please. Right? We do that. If you answer today, I'll never smoke another cigarette. If you answer today, I'll never drink another beer. Right? If you answer today, I'll never look at that thing on the computer again. Just this one more time. She didn't have to do that. And Jesus didn't tell her. He told some people, hey, you, you need to stop sinning before something else happens. He didn't say that. He said, your faith has made you well. You know, sometimes in the waiting, we think we got to beg. 
We've got to plead. We've got to make deals with God like we have anything to bring to the table. But the story's not over. Jairus. You're Jairus. Picture being Jairus. Odds are he looked at that woman the same way when he recognized, why are we stopping for this woman? <laughs> My daughter is dying. Right? But you want to be polite, right? Because you still want him to come. And if I'm too rude to Jesus, he's not going to come through. Let's pick up the story there. We're on a time crunch here. While he was still speaking, so he's talking to the woman. Someone came from the synagogue leader's house saying, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Stop. Wow. Your daughter is dead. It's over. Guys, listen. There's not any more waiting here. There's certain things that, that's it. Can you imagine being Jairus? You think he was mad at the woman? Yes, he was. If you hadn't come, maybe we would have made it. That was our only chance. And then who do you get mad at? Jesus. Why did you stop? You knew. Who's this sound like? Why aren't you coming through? You knew what I wanted. I see you do it for these other people. You just did it for this woman. Why? Now it's too late. When Jesus heard it, he, believed, he answered him before he said anything. Don't be afraid. Only believe, and she will be made well. After he came to the house, he, left, he let no one enter with him except Peter, John, James, and the child's mother and father. Everyone was crying and mourning for her, but he said, Stop crying, for she is not dead but asleep. They started laughing at him. Well, there's these little moments like this that we just don't appreciate Jesus. Who were the only people in the room? Well, this is one of those moments we think it's the crowd, right? No, no, Peter, James, John, mother, father. Woo! People that believed. They started laughing at him because they knew she was dead. So he took her by the hand and called out, child, get up. Her spirit returned and she got up at once. Then he gave orders that she be given something to eat. Her parents were astounded, but he instructed them to tell no one what had happened. You'll see. Well, the reason he won't tell me what happened because he knows people, right? He knows what's going to happen. You can put that down, guys. Now, I get the tendency here. Already I'm losing you, especially some of you young folks. It's nice. It's like a fable. No, it happened. You believe George Washington crossed, what is it, the Delaware? Yeah, history. <laughs> right? You believe that because some teacher told you that. Then believe me right now, I'm telling you this. This happened. A dead woman came back to life. Now, what's the point in that? I want to go through a few things here. Don't be afraid to believe she'll be made well. What? There's no possible way that the situation can be fixed now. Right? There are some of you in this room, I'm not going to lie to you, that if you came to me and said, Todd, help me fix this, you know what I'm going to say? I have no idea how to help you here. I have no idea out of this. And I'm not even talking about illness because some people have illnesses. Clearly, I can't cure that. Some of you have marital issues and relationship issues and addictions, and I can't help you from any advice. I can't give you a 12-step program. There's nothing I can do that can tangibly help you. But that doesn't mean that God is limited by my limitations. Or by yours. I cannot tell you how many times I prayed for a specific thing to happen. And 
he did something that terrified me that made no sense. And when I look back, it was the best thing that ever happened. That's not pastor talk. That's reality. What if Jairus in that moment had said, no, I'm not waiting another second. I already wasted time with you. I came here. I got on my knees in front of people around. I was embarrassed. You mean like embarrassed to walk up to the altar? I was embarrassed to be seen. I was embarrassed to be on my knees. You made me look less important than this woman. I'm not going with you another step. I got to go bury my daughter. And if we read this story and it wasn't in the Bible, we'd understand. Jairus didn't know how. People don't come back from the dead. But he walked. And he followed and he waited. Sometimes it's hard, man, to preach to Christians because you guys just, you're so numb. You're so numb. I know all the stories of the Bible. Why we got pastors preaching at all? Just go listen to John Edwards, right? I don't think, I think that's a politician. I don't remember. <laughs> so I want to talk today. Both people waited. She had been waiting 12 years. 12 years. 12 years. She spent all of her money on doctors. She went to the people. She went out there and found doctors. She went out there and found people that would talk to her. She went out there or deal with her. Maybe the Greek or Romans. She went and found some, And nobody, she had nothing left. There was no possibilities. There's no point in waiting. Waiting for what? To die? 12 years. It took 12 years to be healed. And it happened because she touched a tassel of a robe. So I want to talk to you today, simple. I've got a list for you. I know you love lists. There's a lot in here, and I'll talk more in the context of the list. But what I want you to see is both people faced situations that seemed hopeless. Right? There was no way out. There's no way he's going to come through. This is over. I wish that I could get. I've been talking. I don't know why I've been felt led to talk to the young people lately, right? I mean, I'm young, of course, but the younger people. And it's because you, if I'd understood when I was your age, what I know now, a lot of the misery that I went through wouldn't have seemed so miserable. But you don't believe that right now because I'm old and you don't listen to old people. It's true. So reminders for in the waiting. You guys are in that. Number one, it's not a matter of if. He is coming and he will answer. I'm going to say it again. First lesson, God is going to answer your prayer. God, how dare you? No, he is. I, it may not be what you want, but he is coming. Going to answer your prayer. God is going to answer your prayer. One of the things I say sometimes to people, and, and it, it seems flippant in the moment, but it helps me. You know, there are, some of you out there have given up hope on finding a significant other. I'm never going to find a wife or a husband. It's over. It don't matter. Right? And, I, and here's the thing. If you had to wait two more years... To find your spouse for the next 50, would it be worth it? So you're willing to wait if you're guaranteed the result. Right? So you're willing to wait if it doesn't require faith. And I'm not mocking you, right? That's easy to say. But, I, but what if I told you God's going to answer you? I don't know what he's going to say. But I believe this. If you go to God with an open heart, that he is going to answer you. Will it be through a spouse? Maybe. Or maybe it will be through... Um, singleness and, and an acceptance of that and a desire to use that to glorify him. 
I don't know. I'm not saying that. That's just an easy thing. I believe, like, it's factual. He's going to answer. We don't have anywhere in the Bible that says, hey, God doesn't, he's never going to answer your prayers for his people. Right? There isn't a Todd 5-4 that's like, God will not answer the prayers of his people, but sometimes he will, but sometimes he won't. You just got to flip a coin. He's going to answer. I already lost you. No, he's not. Yes, he is. See, that's why some of you at 12 years, you wouldn't have been there. You'd have been sitting at home, laying like this, going, life's over. Instead of going, I heard a man that can do something miraculous. I will fight my, some of you, some of you would have got that far, and you're going, oh, man, there's a line. I'm going home. <laughs> yeah, I know who you are. You got that fast food mentality. Listen, I need a miracle. Take a number one extra miracle. <laughs> right? Not whip. Uh-huh, see what I did there? Taylor? No? Okay. It's not in here. Pun. God, it's not a matter of if he is coming and will answer. God will answer. Even in the 40 years, God still kept his promise. God has a purpose in the waiting. And that purpose is always your good. How do I know that? The Bible says that God works out all things for the good of those of his, for the good of his people according to what? His purposes. And this is where we'll start to make excuses. Well, good is arbitrary, and it might not actually be good by the human standard. If he didn't mean good, he wouldn't have said good. Good. You know what good is. Don't let anybody tell you that he meant something other than good. He didn't. Because if they're doing that, you know what they're doing? They're making excuses for God because they are actually believing he may not come through. So they're trying to make you feel okay about Christianity by telling you, like, he didn't mean good. The Greek means blah, blah, blah. No, it meant good. He knew what it was when he said it. It's good. And if it's good, there is an addendum according to his purposes, but that's great because he knows what's good for you. You've heard the analogy. When you're two and you want a plate full of brownies, the only thing that sounds good is a plate full of brownies, right? If you're like me and lactose intolerant, that's a recipe for disaster, no matter how much I want them. Right? Yes. Number two, God is never late. Never late. Ever. Now, see, the hard thing about this is, is that when Jairus' daughter died, you think Jesus knew that was going to happen? Now, that's uncomfortable because that hurt. It doesn't matter. We don't know how long it was, whether it was 10 minutes, 30 minutes, 3 hours. We don't know. That period of time was the most painful time that Jairus had probably ever experienced. He loved his daughter. How do I know? He was willing to throw himself on the ground in front of someone that there were other Jewish, a lot of the Jewish leaders weren't fond of. Willing to risk his status? Mm. Some of y'all ain't even willing to get on your knees to pray. Right? He loved his daughter. Those, those hours, those minutes, those moments would have seemed like years. That's hard to hear, but I always think of this last sentence there. His parents were astounded. Maybe that's what it took for Jairus to understand who Jesus really was. So not only did he get his daughter back, but he got a savior thrown in. You see what I'm saying? Because some of you are stubborn. That's me. Sometimes I wonder why he didn't answer, why he answered a different way, and it's because I'm stubborn. I can sit here and cry to you all, but I'm stubborn. I don't, I don't know why I am, but I am. And I think sometimes it was his mercy Right? Even though it hurt me, even though the, the time that it took was his mercy. Because anytime I tried to hurry things, because I do, I'm a bit of a controller. 
when I try to hurry things, so many times it has led to disaster. God is never late. How do I know? He's God. He sets the time. You're five minutes late. You're too late. She's dead. God's like, oh, really? Yeah. I defeated death. <laughs> My marriage is over. It's too late. This is a charade. We just gotta, I just got to act it out now, right? Like the lady with 20 years. And God says, mm, I got something for you. Not only am I going to strengthen your faith and make you and I closer than ever and get you to rely on me, but I'm going to give you and I'm going to change your husband. And now you get to use that to bless other people. That's what happened to her. Number three, this is important for you guys. The waiting isn't about punishment. Boy, I'll tell you what, it's heartbreaking. I, this is something that, I, you know, I, I'll, sometimes pastors get mad. It depends on where a pastor is theologically, where I start losing people. But this is where it's at. Listen, I believe that what happens when you accept Christ is completely true and irrevocable. What I mean by that is you were holy, you were chosen, you were good forever. And if that happens, then what I'm, what I need, why would God punish you? Right? You ever think about this rationally? Jesus took the wrath, but God's going to add some extra punishment on you. There was too much left over. He poured his wrath out, and he kept a little bit for when I am rude. Right? No, that's not how it works. That's why I don't like that we say discipline. Our, our concept of discipline, everybody, see the pastors are going, Todd, God disciplines those he loves. That's not. Punishment and discipline are different. Discipline can be. My son or daughter is walking towards a light socket, and I grab them, and I set them over here. In that moment, that's discipline. We tend to think that I kick them on the ground. That's the worst kick in existence. But I kick them on the ground, I scream at them, pick them up, throw them across the room, smack them around so that they're terrified to go near that. That's not always discipline. In fact, we call that what? Abuse. But somehow we believe that, like, God will abuse people. We are morally above God. We punish people for abusing their children, but God, he's allowed to. No, it's not. That's not discipline. Yes, sometimes he slapped my hand, right, in a moment to keep it away from something, but it's never to punish. The waiting, God's not making you wait to punish you. Why? How do I know that? I already told you. God will work out all things for the good of those who believe what? According to his purposes. That doesn't say he's making you wait to punish you. Well, Todd, what about the Israelites? Correct. But there's a reason that they said Moses and the prophets would have longed to have what you have. You are holy and sanctified. The Holy Spirit never leaves you. You are forever held. Jesus himself said in the Gospel of John, I will never let go of one of these you've given me ever. The waiting isn't about your punishment. And why is that so important? Because it changes the way you view it. Many times when it takes a long time for God to answer, we think that it's because if I, you know, uh, if I had been better, if I had done this, if I had done that, you know, it's this thing I did five years ago, it's because I, um, you know, I was a drunk, it was because I did this, it was because I did that before I knew Jesus, that one time I cussed, that one time I did this, oh, if I had only done that, man, how exhausting it must be to be your own savior. To be your own miracle worker. To be the one that has to earn it. It's exhausting. That doesn't sound like freedom, which is what Christ has promised us. 
Now, sometimes situations, you know, I like to give human examples. Let's say that you've fallen in a, I don't know, better example. If I step in a bear trap, God may pull my foot out of that bear trap. Interesting thing about those, you know you got to push them in farther to get them to release. Isn't that powerful? Anyway, that stinks. Sometimes it feels like, man, why is this getting worse? i got to get you out. That happened to me. Then once you're released, your leg sometimes isn't immediately healed. It might take some time, right, for, for you to get ready, right? So if I step in a bear trap and I'm like, I want to run a marathon tomorrow, well, that's probably not going to happen. That's a consequence of what I have did, but the waiting to get there is not punishment, right? It's just that's what happened. Does that make sense? Did I lose you? Sometimes I lose myself, so I'm just making sure. That's so important, guys. It changes the way you view prayer. It changes the way you do it. No wonder prayer is exhausting. If you got to say sorry for every single thing you've done in the last even 24 hours before you ask God to do something, no, I'd be like, Lord, never mind. You already know. I, I should just go home. I'm already too bad. The waiting isn't about punishment. Number four, sometimes God's timing, this is, this is so big, guys. Sometimes God's timing isn't just about your level of faith, but it's about strengthening your faith. Okay? Play a game here. Use this story we just told you. Which is more miraculous? My daughter's sick. This is miraculous. He comes up and he's like, you're well. Or raising a dead person to life. Which one would make you go, oh my good gosh, who is this guy? <laughs> yes, number two. Yeah, right? This room's so echoey. I feel bad for you guys because if you sneeze, you're like, hey, did he hear me? I probably did. Um, it's not sometimes like I actually like to think, let me put it this way. I used to get really, now I'm like, maybe he wants to show off. I like that. I like that he gets to use my life to show off sometimes. I like that I get to give him glory by saying, oh, you think I'm down for the count? He's coming. You can kick me around all you want. Wait till my dad gets here. You're in trouble. I'm serious. That's a beautiful thing, man. Guys, I can't tell you how many times. I might cry right now because I'm still messed up. I have done so many stupid things. And because of that, and I even, if, if you come and talk to me and say, Todd, did you do this stupid thing? Yes, I did. Do you think you deserve to be doing what you're doing? No, I don't. And yet, here I am. That is not my goodness. That is not that I'm awesome. That should show you how good God is. I have been, like, I'm going to brag on that. I have had people tell me, you will never do this. You should never do a church. This is stupid. Hey, they're cut out. I told you I was going to have it. You should do this. You should do that. Uh, you'll never make it. You should quit this and close this church. And I said, you know what? This church might close, but you ain't going to be the one to do it. You're a broken cart. I told you, if you've been here and heard that sermon, I was told that. You're a broken cart. You're not fit for anything else anymore. Boy, that's bad theology. But I get to look at that camera and go, hi, because I'm still here. Right? That's bragging on him. That's not me. I'll tell you right away. If you come here thinking I'm, a, I'm awesome, you are so, you're going to be sorely disappointed. right? I'm going to let you down, but my God won't. Let me tell you about him. You can't take away what you never gave me. He gave it to me. He decides. That's the same for you. Take this opportunity to have hope, okay, which is going to be a testimony. 
Do you know how awesome it is if I tell you wait and see and then it happens? You're going to go, okay, maybe there is, maybe this God thing's for real. This just happened. I'm going to tell Sydney, ask her about it, right? She's probably going to be mad. I don't care, whatever. She's been here long enough, right? Sydney came to me a few weeks, a month ago. It actually, this, I can say this because this increased my, my faith. She's talking about a situation. We're friends. I say, you know what? You should go to God and ask him. Dare him to show up. I said, but if you ask him, be sure that you want him to answer. The next day, right, you ended up getting a hold of me, and you have to ask her this story. It's the craziest story. I'm not, it's not my story to tell. But it's crazy. Even I went, oh, my good God, he, he really answered. <laughs> right? He did it. And it made me look cool because I'm like, yeah, my God's going to show, right? And he did. <laughs> but I'm in the same place as you, right? I think that would happen a lot in our lives. I think we don't ask because we are afraid of waiting because then for some reason that might prove to us that God isn't real and we're, we're afraid of that. You see, this is kind of what am I saying? It's like sometimes we, we love God so much that we don't want him to fail, so we don't even ask. But he ain't going to fail. That's the thing. He's a living, breathing God. That's why if you ever hear Todd say it's all real, you're like, yeah, okay, Todd, we get it. It's real. That's what I'm trying to get you to see. Like, it is real. Okay, I can go on and on. Strength your faith. Number five. God's answers are not limited by our imagination. I told you that earlier. Jairus did not think that the possibility was going to be that he's going to raise him from the dead. Okay, raise him. That was not in his mind. How do we know that? Because he's like, just leave the teacher alone. You know, the guy, the servant told him that. I have a feeling that Jairus was like, yeah, you're right. See ya. And Jesus had to go, whoa, 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 wait, wait. Just have faith. I got you. I got you. God's going to answer it. You think he, like, if, if you knew everything God knows, you knew every possibility he knew, you would be God. You don't know how he's going to work. He does crazy things. Sometimes he spits in mud and puts it on a person's eyeball. I don't know why he did it, but he did. Right? He splits seas. He kills giants with little boys. He does crazy things. He changed the world, not with an army, but through a servant. Right? Jesus. That's part of why they turned on him. You said you were going to bring this kingdom. You're going to overthrow this Roman government. He did. Just not the way they expected. Quit limiting him. In the waiting, stop going, if I can't see a way out, then he can't answer. Oh, my goodness. Come on. I, I do that. But Number six. This is so cool. All right, I get ahead of myself, and I preach it before it comes, but it's still here. Let your hope set the table for God's glory. It's kind of a wordy way to say it. Brag on him. You know how cool it is? Man, it's not wrong to brag on God. That's called worship. It's not wrong to say, man, I cannot wait to see how God does this. Right? I bring up this church a lot because it's one big one. I don't have to tell you too many personal details about my own life um, because I have them. But when it comes to this church, I can't tell you how many times that I've said, like, I don't know how this is going to happen, but it happens, right? Right? The miracle of this building. I said it a thousand times. Some of you, we got to do something cool so I don't have to tell a story a hundred times like a video. But I'm t- it's a miracle. God literally did something that I was not even in the realm of possibility. And I even remember we're like talking to Tim on the phone. I was like, oh, this doesn't, this it cannot be real. We even came in and going, what's wrong with this building? You remember that? There's like a sinkhole. There's something wrong. Nobody's going to say, hey, you know what? We want to give you guys a building. We've never met you. We heard you do God things. And guess what? We're going to give it to you for a fourth of what its value is. We were like, yeah, I mean, I guess that's fine. 
I had no clue that it was going to happen that way. But boy, I knew that God told us to do this. I didn't know how, but I knew that if he told us to do it, that he was going to come through because we asked him to. Some of you guys ask him to do things. He tells you what to do, and you don't do it. And then you complain that you don't have what you ask for. You see what I'm saying? What if Jairus had walked away? He missed the miracle. He missed the answer. Stop missing the answer because you're too afraid to wait. She's going to come play some music. I may end this on time for Corey, probably not. Are you in the waiting right now? I'm serious. I don't know what it is. There's also nothing too small. Are you in the waiting? Have you, how long have you been doing that? Has it been a long time? Have you lost hope? I like when people say, I can see it because you're being honest. You have. Some of you have. The reason I always say, hey, listen, take your Christian earmuffs off. Some of you have gotten so numb. You have said, given up hope for so long, you can't even hear when someone's trying to like even say that. You're just like, yeah, tacos, whatever you're thinking about. Wake up. Have you started or completely lost hope in God that he will come through? Do you see no way that he could come through at this point? Hear me today, and I mean this. Listen, if you take one thing, I know, I got you. He is coming. I'm going to say that again. Your father is coming. He's going to answer. Bottom line, Todd, he is. He's going to answer. And you're right, sometimes he answers no. But it's never no to punish you, and I fully believe this. If he is a good father, then he's got something better. I have to believe that. There have been things that I asked for, and he said no, and it hurt in the short term. But boy, did he give me something way better. He is coming. That's a guarantee. So let me ask yourself, are you waiting with hopeful expectation? Or are you just laying there, waiting to die? Waiting for something to happen. Not hopeful, just like, eh, I'll see what happens tomorrow. If I looked at your life as you waited, what kind of testimony would I see? Would I believe that your God answers prayers? Would I believe your God is good? Or would I just say, eh, he... Maybe. I know life's hard. I don't know why little girls die of cancer and they don't get cured. But I know she's not crying now. I know that her prayers to not hurt anymore have been answered. That she's not filled with sorrow that's a fact I don't know why it takes 20 years for a husband to change his life and I don't know why some don't ever but I've seen people on both sides I've seen good women and good husbands it's gone both who have loved their spouse crazy when they didn't get anything in return and it's a miracle to see and it points people to God just with their life. God can raise the dead. You think he can't handle your job situation, your finances, your bad attitude, your addiction. But boy, 
got to believe. You got to wait. You got to trust. That's encouraging. I'm not going to give you some. I don't know. I'm not even going to say like it's going to be easy. That's why I don't talk trash about the Israelites. 40 years is a long time. But I promise you that we have the benefit of hindsight. So I can promise you this. Your God is coming and he will answer. And it's going to be incredible. It's going to be incredible. And I can't wait to see it. And I hope I get to see it in some of your lives. I might not, but I hope I get to. And I hope you brag about it. And I hope you tell me every crazy thing that happened along the way. And I can't wait to someday, like, pull you up here and have you tell everybody else. That's what happened, right? When the miracle came, what did, he had to tell them not to tell people. And if you're in the room today and you've lived your life without God, man, no wonder. That's, you've got, you've, you're, you are just waiting to die. Right? Trying to find little momentary pleasures to feel better in the short term. How many movies can you watch before they don't work anymore? How many drinks can you drink? How many cigarettes can you smoke? How many drugs can you smoke? Whatever, right? How many, how many women or men can you sleep with before you realize, man, this isn't working? How many different identities can you claim to be before you say, man, maybe the issue isn't with what I am. The issue is with who I think I am. mistake with you you're not messed up you're a miracle and he's waiting to do some more miraculous things with but if you're in the room and you don't know God and you don't have then you got to hear me on this none of those things are going to fill you and I do this every time and probably some of the random people get annoyed because it's the same thing every week but it, I, I got to because if someone didn't do it the day I was there then I wouldn't have known Jesus you can be a good person, it's not good enough. You can say you believe in God, that's not good enough. You can say, I've got it figured out, I'm gonna wait, let me get some of these things. You know, I had a family member once say, I'm, I'm gonna do this Christian thing when I get some things fixed in my own life. Oh man, that's the problem. There's always more to fix, isn't there? Here's the gospel, it's called good news. We messed everything up. You and I are messed up. Did you know that? You know it. By ourselves, we do a lot of silly things. And sin, you've heard the word. <gasps> yeah, it's the wrong things we do, but it's also a disease that we have. That's why that even if we fix the symptoms, we can't cure what's inside of us. And that's why we go from thing to thing to try to fix something we can't fix. Sin entered the world because we rejected God. And the consequences of rejected God are God says, fine, have it your way. And just like a branch cut off from a tree, we die, we wither. We had no way to go home. We are separated from a holy God. And not only that, we can know that when we die, that there's punishment waiting for us. Well, that doesn't seem fair. Then let me come in your house and steal all your stuff and you just say, I like you. You know what justice is. God has to be just, which means there's going to be just consequences for our actions. If you don't know Jesus in this room, you are guilty. Bible says that God is storing up wrath to pour on you. Oof. Now here is the good news, because that should scare you. That's a sobering thought. The good news is that God found a way that you never have to face that, that wrath. 
God came down, Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth existed. You've heard me say it. He's either God or he's a liar, he's a lunatic. C.S. Lewis said it, it's true. So which is he? If he is God, if he is God, if he is who he said he was, he isn't a good teacher, he isn't a nice guy, he is the son of God, made flesh, which means that you can trust us too. He told us how to live, he told us good news, he performed miracles, and then he died a horrible physical and spiritual death in the ways the father turned his back on him and said, right, he, I'm done with you. The perfect man who didn't deserve it took our place, took your place, not us collectively, though he did, you, you, you drove the nails into his hands. You did it. I did it. And he did it willingly. And then he died. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. Bottom line, it happened. Again, you believe George Washington crossed the Delaware because somebody told you that. Over 500 people saw the risen Christ. So, he defeated death. What does that mean for you? It means you don't have to have that wrath. It means you can be made whole. You can be healed. You can be made to, to finally feel um, complete, right? It doesn't mean you're all going to have perfect days. It doesn't mean everything's great all the time, but it does mean that you're going to have a meaning and a purpose in your life that you've never known before. So how do you have that? How do you know that today if you die, you get to go with and be with God in paradise instead of being eternal punishment? It's very simple. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. Today, will you do that? Are you willing to walk 30 feet? Some of you say you want to be healed. You go from thing to thing. Will you walk and pray? Will you get on your knees, maybe in your seat, and say, God, I want this. I believe you, Jesus. There's going to be people up here willing to pray for you about anything you need, including that. I was you. I walked to the front of a church. They took me a secret back room. It was way scarier. They prayed with me, and my life has been changed. Young people in the room, I'm telling you, I don't, I, you guys, I know sometimes you probably feel invisible. You matter. This is real. Whatever you do, don't leave the same you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.